Chapter Fifteen of A Shepherd's Life by William Henry Hudson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen: The Ellerbys of Doveton. The Balcombs at Doveton Farm. Caleb finds favor with his master. Mrs. Ellerby and the shepherd's wife. The passion of a childless wife. The curse. The story of the mob. The attack on the farm. A man transported for life. The hundred and ninth psalm. THE END OF THE ELLERBYS Caleb and his wife invariably spoke of their time at Doveton Farm in a way which gave one the idea that they regarded it as the most important period of their lives. It had deeply impressed them, and doubtless it was a great change for them to leave their native village for the first time in their lives and go long miles from home among strangers to serve a new master above everything they felt leaving the old father who was angry with them and had gone to the length of disowning them for taking such a step but there was something besides all this which had served to give doveton an enduring place in their memories and after many talks with the old couple about their warminster days i formed the idea that it was more to them than any other place where they had lived because of a personal feeling they cherished for their master and mistress there hitherto caleb had been in the service of men who were but a little way removed in thought and feeling from those they employed they were mostly small men born and bred in the parish some wholly self-made with no interest or knowledge of anything outside their own affairs and almost as far removed as the labourers themselves from the ranks above the ellerbys were of another stamp or a different class if not a gentleman mr ellerby was very like one and was accustomed to associate with gentlemen he was a farmer descended from a long line of farmers but he owned his own land and was an educated and travelled man considered wealthy for a farmer at all events he was able to keep his carriage and riding and hunting horses in his stables and he was regarded as the best breeder of sheep in the district he lived in a good house which with its pictures and books and beautiful decorations and furniture appeared to their simple minds extremely luxurious this atmosphere was somewhat disconcerting to them at first for although he knew his own value priding himself on being a good shepherd caleb had up till now served with farmers who were in a sense on an equality with him and they understood him and he them but in a short time the feeling of strangeness vanished personally as a fellow-man his master soon grew to be more to him than any farmer he had yet been with and he saw a good deal of his master mr ellerby cultivated his acquaintance and as we have seen got into the habit of seeking him out and talking to him even when he was at a distance out on the down with his flock and caleb could not but see that in this respect he was preferred above the other men employed on the farm that he had found favor in his master's eyes when he had told me that story about watch and the corncrake it stuck in my mind and on the first opportunity i went back to that subject to ask what it really was that made his master act in such an extraordinary manner to go out on a pouring wet day in a summer suit and straw hat and walk a mile or two just to stand there in the rain talking to him about nothing in particular what secret trouble had he was it that his affairs were in a bad way or was he quarrelling with his wife 
no nothing of the kind it was a long story this secret trouble of the ellerbys and with his unconquerable reticence in regard to other people's private affairs he would have passed it off with a few general remarks but there was his old wife listening to us and woman-like eager to discuss such a subject she would not let it pass she would tell it and would not be silenced by him they were all dead and gone why should i not be told if i wanted to hear it and so with a word put in here and there by him when she talked and with a good many words interposed by her when he took up the tale they unfolded the story which was very long as they told it and must be given briefly here it happened that when the Balcombe settled in Doveton, just as Mr. Ellerby had taken to the shepherd, making a friend of him, so Mrs. Ellerby took to the shepherd's wife, and fell into the habit of paying frequent visits to her in her cottage. She was a very handsome woman, of a somewhat stately presence, dignified in manner, and she wore her abundant hair in curls hanging on each side to her shoulders, a fashion common at that time from the first she appeared to take a particular interest in the Balcombs, and they could not but notice that she was more gracious and friendly towards them than to the others of their station on the farm the Balcombs had three children then aged six four and two years respectively all remarkably healthy with rosy cheeks and black eyes and they were merry-tempered little things mrs ellerby appeared much taken with the children praised their mother for always keeping them so clean and nicely dressed, and wondered how she could manage it on her small earnings. The carter and his wife lived in a cottage close by, and they too had three little children, and next to the carter's was the bailiff's cottage, and he too was married and had children. But Mrs. Ellerby never went into their cottages, and the shepherd and his wife concluded that it was because in both cases the children were rather puny sickly-looking little things and were never very clean the carter's wife too was a slatternly woman one day when mrs ellerby came in to see mrs Balcombe, the carter's wife was just going out of the door and mrs ellerby appeared displeased and before leaving she said i hope mrs Balcombe, you are not going to mix too freely with your neighbours or let your children go too much with them and fall into their ways they also observed that when she passed their neighbours children in the lane she spoke no word and appeared not to see them yet she was kind to them too and whenever she brought a big parcel of cakes fruit and sweets for the children which she often did she would tell the shepherd's wife to divide it into three lots one for her own children and the others for those of her two neighbours it was clear to see that mrs ellerby had grown fond of her children especially of the eldest the little rosy-cheeked six-year-old boy sitting in the cottage she would call him to her side and would hold his hand while conversing with his mother she would also bear the child's arm just for the pleasure of rubbing it with her hand and clasping it round with her fingers and sometimes when caressing the child in this way she would turn her face aside to hide the tears that dropped from her eyes she had no child of her own the one happiness which she and her husband desired above all things six times in their ten married years they had hoped and rejoiced although with fear and trembling that their prayer would be answered but in vain every child born to them came lifeless into the world 
and so twould always be for sure said the villagers because of the curse for it was a cause of wonder to the shepherd and his wife that this couple so strong and healthy so noble-looking so anxious to have children should have been so unfortunate and still the villagers repeated that it was the curse that was on them this made the shepherd angry what be you saying about a curse that is on them a good man and a good woman he would exclaim and taking up his crook go out and leave them to their gossip he would not ask them what they meant he refused to listen when they tried to tell him but in the end he could not help knowing since the idea had become a fixed one in the minds of all the villagers and he could not keep it out look at them the gossipers would say as fine a couple as you ever saw and no child and look at his two brothers fine big strong well set up men both married to fine healthy women and never a child living to any of them and the sisters unmarried tis the curse and nothing else the curse had been uttered against mr ellerby's father who was in his prime in the year eighteen thirty one at the time of the mob when the introduction of labour-saving machinery in agriculture sent the poor farm labourers mad all over england wheat was at a high price at that time and the farmers were exceedingly prosperous but they paid no more than seven shillings a week to their miserable labourers and if they were half starved when there was work for all when the corn was reaped with sickles what would their condition be when reaping-machines and other new implements of husbandry came into use they would not suffer it they would gather in bands everywhere and destroy the machinery and being united they would be irresistible and so it came about that there were risings or mobs all over the land mr ellerby the most prosperous and enterprising farmer in the parish had been the first to introduce the new methods he did not believe that the people would rise against him for he well knew that he was regarded as a just and kind man and was even loved by his own labourers but even if it had not been so he would not have hesitated to carry out his resolution as he was a high-spirited man but one day the villagers got together and came unexpectedly to his barns where they set to work to destroy his new thrashing machine when he was told he rushed out and went in hot haste to the scene and as he drew near some person in the crowd threw a heavy hammer at him which struck him on the head and brought him senseless to the ground he was not seriously injured but when he recovered the work of destruction had been done and the men had gone back to their homes and no one could say who had led them and who had thrown the hammer but by and by the police discovered that the hammer was the property of a shoemaker in the village and he was arrested and charged with injuring with intent to murder tried with many others from other villages in the district at the salisbury assizes he was found guilty and sentenced to transportation for life yet the doveton shoemaker was known to every one as a quiet inoffensive young man and to the last he protested his innocence for although he had gone with the others to the farm he had not taken the hammer and was guiltless of having thrown it 
Two years after he had been sent away, Mr. Ellerby received a letter with an Australian postmark on it, but on opening it found nothing but a long denunciatory passage from the Bible enclosed, with no name or address. Mr. Ellerby was much disturbed in his mind, and instead of burning the paper and holding his peace, he kept it and spoke about it to this person and that, and every one went to his Bible to find out what message the poor shoemaker had sent, for it had been discovered that it was the one hundred and ninth psalm, or a great portion of it, and this is what they read let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered with the lord and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out let them be before the lord continually that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth because that he remembered not to show mercy but persecuted the poor and needy man that he might even slay the broken in heart as he loved cursing so let it come unto him as he delighted not in blessing so let it be far from him as he clothed himself with cursing like as with a garment so let it come into his bowels like water and like oil into his bones let it be unto him as a garment which covereth him and for a girdle wherewith he is girded continually but do thou for me o god the lord for thy name's sake for I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I am come like the shadow when it declineth. I am tossed up and down as the locust. My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh faileth of fatness. From that time the hundred and ninth psalm became familiar to the villagers, and there were probably not many who did not get it by heart there was no doubt in their minds of the poor shoemaker's innocence every one knew that he was incapable of hurting a fly the crowd had gone into his shop and swept him away with them all were in it and some person seeing the hammer had taken it to help in smashing the machinery and mr ellerby had known in his heart that he was innocent and if he had spoken a word for him in court he would have got the benefit of the doubt and been discharged but no he wanted to have his revenge on some one and he held his peace and allowed this poor fellow to be made the victim then when he died and his eldest son succeeded him at doveton farm and he and the other sons got married and there were no children or none born alive they went back to the psalm again and read and re-read and quoted the words let his posterity be cut off and in the generation following let their name be blotted out undoubtedly the curse was on them alas it was the curse was their belief in the curse and the dreadful effect of the knowledge of it on a woman's mind all the result of mr ellerby the father's fatal mistake in not having thrown the scrap of paper that came to him from the other side of the world into the fire all the unhappiness of the generation following came about in this way and the family came to an end for when the last of the Ellerbys died at a great age, there was not one person of the name left in that part of Wiltshire. End of chapter 15